Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Hey, it's Jeff Mosher. Adam Kaplan and I love using Anchor for our Inside the Birds podcast every week. It's so user-friendly, anyone can create their own podcast, and you should too. Just download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Anchor gives you everything you need to start your own podcast from your phone or computer. Its creation tools allow you to record and edit your podcast for a professional sound, and Anchor will distribute your podcast for you to Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and so many other platforms. It can be heard by everyone, just like Inside the Birds. You can also make money from your pod with no minimum listenership. What are you waiting for? Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to create your podcast today. Inside the Birds is back. What's going on, everybody? Jeff Mosher, Adam Kaplan here for another Inside the Birds. And Adam, if you didn't know any better, the month is May. But I know for a lot of Eagles fans, it kind of feels like March, right? Because March is when you do teams do most of their free agent signings and they give their fans juicy storylines. But the Eagles kind of sat out March and May is here and it's like a a signing, a trade, another signing. So we'll get into all of that. Uh, We've got some some scouting department movement uh, to talk about. And we'll also get into um, just the idea that there's been a kind of an accord struck here between the coaches and uh, the players to make sure that there will be participation this spring. It'll just be different than what it has been. So we'll get into all the changes in the OTA structures as well, but it's, it's just kind of crazy. I mean, if you think back to maybe last year or two years ago, as far as juicy May storylines and having so much to talk about, not, not nearly as much as we've been given this week. Oh gosh. We have, I mean, we don't have three hours. We'll, we'll knock this out in less than an hour, but there's so many things that, and some of this will probably bleed over to next, our next show uh, for Monday. But uh, the, the, it's interesting that, uh, you know, I'd heard a week ago, they're going to be starting to sign some players, but I didn't know what type of player. I was like, oh, cornerback, right? Uh, well, not, not quite the way we thought. But right. uh, punter, no, not a punter. Because <laughs> uh, people have been asking us about that. They're, they're, they'll add one by training camp, a uh, veteran to compete for the job. Yeah. What's but, the punter's um, name again? I always butcher Sipas, Sipras. Oh, so you're not much better than I am. Yeah, right. it, it's Sipas, <laughs> yes. I'm right. Aaron Sipas. Aaron yeah. Sipas, right. Yeah, he's an Australian rules guy. Um, he's older. You know, he turns 29. But uh, they'll have someone in there. There aren't a lot of good punters. Out there. there are like three punters out there in free agency that are left. Right. Um, but look, yeah, th- this th- they did all sorts of transactions this week. Uh, pretty interesting. Some of the guys that came in, we'll get into that. Um, we will we will explain on the show 
Uh, we've got some great intel and uh, stuff that nobody knows on these players. Stuff from Kerrigan I was not even aware of. Mm-hmm. Um, well, we're going to put some. We're going to have some scoop on him. Yep. Um, how about how we how we've heard uh, where how he's going to be used is different than I originally thought. Yep. He, he's the kind of guy that he's played more outside linebacker than I thought. Um, someone in pro scouting from another team who who they they would say that we did him for free agency, which is kind of a funny thing to say. But that's a scouting term. Yes, I scouted. You know, I watched his, his tape. Right. Um, and he 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 went back several years, and he's got all the analytics on him. And I, this guy was reading me his report. I thought it was interesting. So, mm-hmm. um, I know how he's going to line up. We'll we'll talk about that. And uh, yeah, a couple of things yeah. happened, which we're like, huh, that's interesting. And people seem to have their opinions, and we'll we'll tell you what's right and what's not right. Yeah, a lot of nug- news and nuggets we got to put out there. Uh, I wanted to start off with the show with. Um, kind of a nugget that was dropped by Jason Avant on Q&A, and I thought it was worth discussing oh, yeah. because he was – I didn't even know this. I, this is the best part. I, you know, I produced the show. I watched him go uh, do the show, and I'm like, wow, that's pretty interesting. I didn't know that. Uh, Jason was invited to the NovaCare over the past weekend to speak to the rookies. Uh, I don't know if he was the only one or one of a couple of different former Eagles, but he was there. So he had a chance to speak to the rookies and he has a great story. So it, it would be not, it's a perfect guy to go, go talk to young kids. And also he had a chance to meet Devonte Smith. He said, Devonte came up to him, talked to him, was very humble, but he also had a chance to talk with Nick Sirianni. Mm-hmm. And he admitted that, you know, going into it, he, like a lot of people didn't know what to think of the press conferences and the kind of the rah-rah attitude and, and how that would really go over in a lot. I heard him, Jeff. I heard him um, probably after Rock, Scissors, Papers press conference. I heard that show. Yeah. And I cringed because I could hear it. Like, he's like, oh, I was like, man, he, I could tell that he needed to be convinced. So right. go ahead. Just so you know, that that's the detail of what Jeff is alluding to. Yeah. Jason so, probably went in thinking one thing and got another. Exactly. He spent 20 minutes talking to him and um, had a really good conversation that he said was kind of a, a vintage kind of kind of Nick Sirianni conversation animated about football. And he said, look, the one thing I can see now is that his enthusiasm that we see that sometimes we think is a little overboard or over explaining it's genuine enthusiasm for the game for the talking, the X and O's, it's not fake. It's not, I'm putting on a rah-rah just to present myself as a certain type of human being. It's just who Nick Sirianni is. And so that made him feel, feel better about at least knowing that Nick Sirianni is being genuine and being sincere. And what that means, as Jason would describe it, it, it still doesn't mean he's going to be a great coach. Doesn't mean he's going to be a terrible coach. It doesn't mean after a tough loss against Dallas, that that approach is going to go over well. What it simply means is this, is that you can at least be assured that what you're getting is real and authentic because phonies don't play well in this city, uh, in this town, as they shouldn't, right? So the good thing here in, in the context of it, their discussion was that he was he, he, he went in thinking, as you said, one way, not, or not, not one way, just not sure, and then came away say, thinking, all right, the guys, that's just how the guy's wired, and, and that, that's pretty cool that he's authentic that way. Um, a coach... <laughs> Coach with the Colts when I when I got intel on Syrian, I called him an HBI, hot blooded Italian. <laughs> I thought that was funny, and he goes, "He's really in your face." And and I remember when I met him, I'm married to one, by the way. Oh, is that right? Yes, not a football wow. coach, a hot blooded Italian. <laughs> when uh, I met Nick in uh, eighteen, uh huh, 
I talked to him twice, 18 and 19. He's the same guy. He's just, he's, he's kind of a close talker. <laughs> he's got a high energy. He, he can't wait to tell you about what everyone we're talking about. Like I'll say, Hey, could you tell me who your, um, who your influences at football were? You know, he talks about his father, his brother, uh, this coach at Mount union. And it, great. He just, but he loves. And I remember trying to leave because, Hey, one more thing. I was like, okay, coach, go ahead. And he, he just goes through it. And I was like, okay, great. He just, uh, he's very authentic as uh, you just said. Um, he has two big things, accountability and connecting. He wants his coaches to connect with his players. It's very important to him. Mm-hmm. And he's going to hold the players accountable. Uh, this was a real issue for the previous staff. Um, there was too much. The word that I got from a couple of people was there's too much self-preservation. Hmm. They weren't, they weren't as, they didn't coach as hard as they did. It, it's a hard to quantify. Let's just say that the staff that was left over from 16, that's been with, been with Peterson. Mm-hmm. There's some guys on that staff over the years that it just was the, either the message was not getting through or guys were not improving. Now, Whatever you want to call, whatever you want to say, that's fine. But the fact of the matter is some players are not being developed. And I'll say this, and we, we, you and I talked about this on Sirianni and uh, some of the other coaches of coach receivers. If these guys can't improve, it's because the receivers can't play. I'll leave it at that. Yeah, that, that also speaks to the second part of what Jason was talking about. And I tweeted that part out as a tease to the, the show is that while he was there, it wasn't just meeting Nick Sirianni. He said he could kind of feel – a, a new energy there, a sense of, of re, uh, rebirth, new life, because he was – poor guy. I mean, he does the coaching internship last year at training camp, right? Then he agrees to be the assistant wide receivers coach, thinking, hey, I want to give this coaching thing a shot. And he just happens to be the, the year that the Eagles are a complete mess from top to bottom and dysfunctional and feuds. And he even pointed out, he goes, let you know, last year – he said you could kind of cut the tension with a knife. You know, you could feel it from the beginning of the season till the end. And he said, just That's being really there now, you wow. can just, you can just feel the 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 renewal and a, and a new free flow is how he described it. And I get, I get that, Adam. And I, and I don't want to make too little, but I don't want to take make too much. It's also the honeymoon phase. Everybody's hey, he's coached the game yet. Each other yeah. out. Nick has not coached the game yet, and we'll right. we'll see. Um, early returns are good. And that is really, quite frankly, to be honest with you, that is the, the, the story, and we'll get into that in a second. We'll detail everything we've heard and what we know. The, the fact that he was the one who called the players mm-hmm. uh, in terms of change, asking to change the schedule because they have to okay it, um, it's, it's, pretty, it, it's, pretty, um, it's a pretty bold thing to do. Uh, but I could tell you that you look at it this way. Would you rather have a three to it? three day off season program or 21 days and just not have the uh, whatever the uh, 20, whatever it is, 18 days, 15 days, whatever right. the heck it is. Right. It's amazing. Um, it's amazing. Yeah. Cause what you're getting at is something that appears we, we appear to have a trouble doing in the rest of our, our daily lives in society is finding a compromise, right? I mean, yeah, right. two sides right. that are strongly convicted were willing to give on each side for the betterment of making, you know, for the betterment of the team and, and overall. So I thought that, that is good. We will get into that in a second. I just want to wrap up yeah. the four other uh, quick points from, from Q&A that I really encourage people to watch because it was a very instructional Q&A. And that's what our, our audience response has been, that they love so much that they learn about learning. football. Learning. Uh, Quentin Michael talked about what a 4-3 under front and a 4-3 stunt front look like. So he tried to kind of um, give an idea of how schematically things will work with the Eagles personnel personnel. 
this year under Jonathan Gannon with some assumptions since we haven't seen Gannon coach a game, but kind of what we've heard uh, some, the way you, and we'll talk about this also, Ryan Kerrigan's usage might not be as traditional as, as a DN. We'll talk about that. Uh, They also got Jason Avant did an excellent job about talking about Jalen Hurts' development and the idea of being uh, a four, four read progressive quarterback, meaning there's read one, two, three, four check down and how he has, seen Jalen really excel in uh, one and two and then also make using his athletic abilities and how he thinks the world of Jalen Hurts and he can be a very good quarterback. He wants to see him be able to to get to three and four and really complete the development. So we talked about that. And it was, it was just a very good schematic. Uh, wow. And he used examples of other quarterbacks who were really good and understood that even one and two are gone before you snap the ball. So you know to go to three or four. And he explained why and how. Awesome. Uh, Quinton did a great job of breaking down. So he was asked, you know, from a defensive standpoint, what cues you look for from the offense to know what they're going to do. And then Jason responded vice versa. So it's very instructional. And then the stories, Adam, that uh, they told Quinton was asked to talk about the T.O. Hugh Douglas fight. And it was a phenomenal <laughs> story. And Jason Avant, so this is, he ended it with something I'd never heard before. A story about how... <laughs> about how former Panthers wide receiver Steve Smith wanted to beat him up. Why? At a Christian conference. Oh my god, I haven't heard this yet. Oh, don't don't give it away. Don't. I'm not giving away why. You have to you have to watch it to find out okay. why. Why would anybody want to beat up Jake? I cannot, Oh my god. Cuz it's a, funny. And at a Christian athlete conference. That's the Oh my god. Oh my gosh. Awesome That's unreal. Story. Um yeah. the the TO story, folks. I've heard <laughs> it. Actually, I've had Hugh Douglas with me on the radio before and he's told it. Yes. But to hear to hear you, you you put the clip up to hear to hear Q talk about it, he could barely get the words out. He's laughing so hard. <laughs> it's so absurd to think that Terrell Owens thinks he's going to throw down, have a fight with you, Douglas and flip flops. I mean, are you kidding? <laughs> you can't. St- and by the way, you're slipping because it, it was near the hot tub. <laughs> yeah, or the cold tub. Right, right. Yeah, whatever. The, it, yeah, yeah. But, but, mean, but actually, it was Hugh who was in the flip flops and was right, right, right. Okay, yeah. right. But but yeah. again. <laughs> Um, that whole story, it got out within, within that night. Let's say it happened at two o'clock in the day. It got out like six o'clock at night. The players were telling players, people were laughing. Reporters found out Now this is 17, 16 years ago, 17 years ago. Oh, is it that long? It's 2005. Yeah. So 16. Yeah. I mean, it's just, <laughs> I mean, that, 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 you know, like yesterday, what, what was your first year covering her? The 2005. Eagles? That was my, I wasn't the beat. I was kind of the, of a, a GA as they called it in general assignment at newspapers, yeah. but I yeah. did a lot of stories because I lived in Jersey. I'm working for the Wilmington news journal yeah. in Delaware. So obviously anytime TO did something on his lawn, I think my first ever story that was pertaining to the Eagles was the drew Rosenhaus. Next question. What are the chances? Oh, that's right. You said that before. Yeah. The, um, should we save this my story with that till uh in june yes. when we yeah all across- oh my god it's so ridiculous that that <laughs> that whole day was a nightmare um what i had to go through to i had to, i yeah we'll get you know, it's another kaplan story people will laugh at me it's just typical of my career the stupid blank that happens sure we got that and the other wrestling story that you yeah. got to tell. We, we'll we, for I, the summer and i want your stories of the media trailer <laughs> um all your lehigh stories man all oh, your lehigh man. stories. too many they're a lot of them
All right. So uh, as we tell you all the time, don't be a loser. Stop paying full price for things you want. Get on DealDash. It's DealDash.com or you download the DealDash app. And when you register, enter the promo code ITB for those special offer. You'll get some bonus free bids. That's promo code ITB for a special offer for bonus free bids when you get started on DealDash. All right. So let's talk about this. Great um, they have this, a great app. They have a fantastic app. Let's talk about um, the mini camp. So yeah, you kind of, yeah, it's uh, already went into a little bit of how it came to be. And what you said was that Nick Sirianni was the one who kind of threw out the olive branch first, right? And said, let's, yeah. let's do something here. Because, so what happened, you know, I noticed, uh, you know, on Twitter, I guess, some of the reporters said that the players are coming in. I'm like, this is not right. There's some... I mean, it just doesn't, they put the statement out you know, in April that they were not, they were, they were the, this, the Eagles players were not coming in. They were only going to show up to the mandatory camp. So I'm like, what, there's just something odd about this. Mm-hmm. I'm like, does this mean that they're not going to be at the mandatory camp? And the answer is yes, but there's more. Um, that's what I assumed. It's correct. But Sirianni calls them. He, 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 he's been quoted on this, but I'll just summarize what I know about it. It just backs up what he had said. He knew that the best thing, the, the compromises you talked about, it's really smart. He needs to get these guys on the field. It doesn't, they're not yeah. going to have 11 on 11 on seven on sevens. That's a compromise, part of the compromise. Right. But just to get them on the field, um, in individual work, in teaching, on the field, to take what they're getting either virtually or in a classroom environment, taking some stuff out in the field and to be coached. They just got to, the players have to get used to how they're going to be coached here. They don't know these guys. The players don't know the coaches. Coaches don't know the players. Right. I mean, and, the, the Eagles right? would have been nothing wrong. I'm sorry. One of the one oh. of the most, I think, hurt teams if they had decided to just completely forego any kind of minicamps and only show up for the mandatory minicamp. With all of their first and second year players and all of this new coaching staff, it would have been very – I think games. it would have been hard for this team yeah. to play ca- – I mean, everybody in the division – has brought back the same coaching staff other than the Eagles. And this is like the reverse of last well, actually, year. Actually, no, da- Dallas has a new coordinator. That's right. They have a new coordinator. But yeah, for the most part, everything changing. else is Right, the their same, defense right. is changing. But that p- comes up to my point here to add to what you're saying. Mm-hmm. The big thing is here the the, the, the offensive-defensive schemes. Right. Um, new new philosophy on offense, completely different. The the West Coast that this guy's running, Sirianni, is completely different than mm-hmm. Peterson's. Mm-hmm. And the defense is basically you couldn't get more of a 180 on – on a 43 defense, this is about as different from the wide nine as you're going to get. Yeah. And what they're going to do pre and post. They may not have, they may not have a lot of talent on defense, but I'm going to tell you what, I, this is what I believe mm-hmm. is this Gannon guy. And people could just throw it back at me if I'm wrong, but this guy's going to prove that he can make the most with a little, with a little, with not a lot. I'm just, that's based on what I've taught. I've heard from other coaches who know him. Mm-hmm. This is a super smart, energy, high, highly intelligent guy who's younger, uh, 37, 38 years old, and he's got his bleep together. And I'm very interested to see what happens. He's one of these guys who's probably going to be head coach. Uh, they're probably going to lose at some point over the next three years. So that's mm-hmm. how well thought of he is around the league. And um, Jeffrey Lurie knew about him. I mean, it's not a secret. He knew about him. Yep. Um, he was, you know, he he was involved in those coaching discussions and um every everyone involved in it knew about gannon and obviously sirianni worked with him so i think it's going to be a home run higher um in terms of defense i 
Sirianni, everything I've heard so far is good, and I like I like what he did here. It's a very aggressive move. It's a smart move. Uh, this is his first big deal. Um, didn't didn't even know anything about this until Monday morning. I was checking into it. I'm like, wow, he really did this. Right. Okay. Smart move. So let me summarize the exchange here. Yeah. Um, what's going to happen is the Eagles are not going to have a three day mandatory OTA. That was part of the agreement and negotiation for the Eagles to show up now and start phase two. Phase two is going to start now. Um, the team gave up the mandatory OTA. And so uh, the phase two starts now, as you mentioned, meetings, uh, on-field stuff geared toward fundamental scheme, strengths and conditionings. And then I think uh, the next week and then the following after that, it'll be phase three OTA, which, as you mentioned, normally will have seven on seven or 11 on 11. You're not going to see that, but you will see coaches and players having more individual time with each other to work on things. And then after that, Gone till till the start of training camp. Right. So you're doing routes on air. Like, for instance, let's say this is the, you know, the, whatever the, the, let's say you're a receiver, right? Mm-hmm. This is the type of, this is the way we run this. Like, I, I could tell you that Mike Rowe taught a certain way to catch the football. Aaron Moorhead, in the end, they wanted to catch the football, but the, the technique might be different. Mm-hmm. So um, Moorhead's a receivers coach, but Sirianni and Patullo, his right-hand man, who are both former receivers, uh, or have extensive and also have extensive done extensive work with receivers will make sure things are taught a certain way. It might be different than they've been taught before. Right. You can only get this on the field, man. I, I, the 11, 11 and, and seven on seven cherry on the top. You just want the, you, you want your message to be, be told and drilled. And that's what you're hoping with these, uh, these, the, these on this on the field time. Sure. Absolutely. Um, at the end of the day, I think, you know, what you said is right in that it, this is better than the alternative. The alternative would have been, yeah, you get your three-day OTA that's mandatory, but then pretty much nothing else. You would have had – I think you would have lost a lot more than you would have gained had they just stuck to the old schedule than what you're getting now. I mean, you're not getting seven-on-sevens and 11-on-11s. Hurts a little bit, I do think, but nonetheless, you still get – look, you get the coaches and the players together – you get the understand. You get questions asked. You get to go out on the field when phase three starts and really, you know, like you said, work individually. I think that's better. I mean, I I can't know for sure, but my gut from covering this league as long as you and I have is that if you gave me situation A and situation B, I'd probably choose this situation over the other one. Oh, hundred percent. Oh, my kidding? There's not even a debate. I'm taking, and nobody I should want, get hurt. Right. Well, I want fifty. I want whatever the. I want three weeks instead of three days. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what the difference is. Right. And it's, it is good symbolism. I think I don't want to make too much of it. As you mentioned that Nick reached out to the players, they responded, two sides came together, you know, common goal. We're both invested in our own side, but we can, we can meet together and come together for a common goal. It's a, it's a, it's a pretty cool thing. Yeah. And something we don't see enough of. So I'm glad. Church leadership yeah, at an absolutely. early stage. On both this, sides. On both yeah, sides. Yeah. Yes. Both sides. And the thing that is so important, because if they would have not gotten any work at all, right? Mm-hmm. So you're going to tell me these guys are not going to ever practice. They're just going to show up in mid-June for three days and cram everything in. It just, it's just not natural. You've got new schemes. Right. So this is a tremendous compromise, actually. I, I feel a lot better about them learning both schemes because mm-hmm. there's such distinct differences from off on offense and defense from the former staff. Right. 
And I'm I'm looking forward to seeing. Uh, unfortunately, media is. I from what I understand, we're not going to get any access until training camp. Hmm. I'm hoping that changes, but I I'm Never not. Never mind. I like the old way better. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I, I hear you. I know. I'm dying. Um, the, the the media was able to go to the rookie camp unless something changes. Right. Doesn't sound like we're going to get access because I admit I I'm someone who would show up to every practice in the off season that if I was home mm-hmm. um, to do it, I would do it. But we don't have access to it, so not going. Yeah, I do. Uh, Mike Sielski wrote a, real, uh, a good column. I've yet to see it, but I, I, I mean, read it. I saw the column, and it's basically like, "Dear Sports, please let us cover you again." And I do look forward to that that day kind of being soon when um, we kind of go back to how we used to be able to cover the team uh, from an access standpoint, interviews yes. and things. But I mean, I'm totally understanding of the protocols and everything. I'm just saying I look forward uh, to the day when we don't have to worry about that. All right, I wanted to get into the transactions, Adam. There've been a bunch this week. Some more important than others, but all of them significant in their own way let's start with the first like the major one and that's bringing ryan kerrigan uh to the to the eagles a one-year deal do you have the contract terms yet no but i'm gonna explain um i'm gonna explain because they because they were naturally delayed because the he agreed in the afternoon and he the contract became official on wednesday okay i didn't get i didn't get it yet but I'll, i'll have it for monday i'm not worried about it um this show, you know, when when it's reported as one year up to three point five million, it's going to be it's going to be twenty five to to fifty percent less in cash. Right. It's generally going to be a minimum of five hundred grand in incentives to get it up to three point five. Mm-hmm. Um. So, it, the bottom line is, it's it's a cheap, it's a very low end contract. It, it's here's why. Once you get past the draft, it's a buyer's market. Before the draft, particularly in March, it's a seller's market. Once you once you've had your draft, you you fill out your, your your roster. You've got tremendous leverage with players. Now, why did Ryan Kerrigan not wait or sign with another team? Here's why: his role is going to be pretty solid. It's going to be a little bit bigger than I thought. As soon as I saw that mm-hmm. the Eagles were going to sign him, I'm like, well, why would they want him as a fourth end? Right. Aha! He's not going to be not the fourth. Going to be one. <laughs> He'll play it when they need him to. But right. um, here's something I didn't know because I I don't have access to this stuff. Well, I could, but. It would take me hours to, to call all the information. Mm-hmm. He played well over 50% of his snaps in his career as a stand-up outside linebacker. I'd forgotten um, he, he's been playing linebacker on and off since 2012. Mm. Remember Brian Arakpo? Yeah, I remember Brian Arakpo. They were, they were the two yep. outside linebackers in the 34 when they ran it. I don't know. I'd have to go back in what years that they ran it. Uh, yeah, I forget which defensive coordinator at the yeah, time I've, had I've that. Told, right. But the, the guy, the pro personnel guy, read me all the stuff. I was like, man, I... I wish I, were, I wrote the stuff down. He was just detailing it for me. Right. This is what they do is in pro personnel, they have reports and they have to do them for free agency. Mm-hmm. And um, they knew that Washington was not going to bring him back. So they have, you know, the Eagles and other teams have these personnel reports. And um, they, I think when it gets to the Eagles, they saw him uh, as the ability to stand up because he's, he's been a stand-up outside linebacker. I remember Greg Cosell told me one misnomer is that 34 outside linebackers in nickel, they play 43. Most teams do that. Pittsburgh did for years. The, mm-hmm. the key goes that the misnomer about Pittsburgh is they only, there are 34 defense every down. He goes, that's not true. Right. Say they're basically more often than not at 43 in, 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 in known pass rush situations. Right. Which is interesting. So anyway, so I, go ahead. Yeah. I, I suspect he's going to play. Well, I don't suspect I've heard he's going to play a lot of linebacker. Right. So, so what does that mean? Well, we know that Jannard Avery, and as we first reported, Joe Osman's going to play linebacker, strong side. Well, look, these are such – these are Jannard Avery is in the wrong scheme. He's a 34 outside linebacker. It's what he should have done. 
They're not Eagles are not running for the 50th time. They're not running a 34. Um, that's not the scheme that they're running. I don't know why people keep asking about that. Just mm-hmm. because they have some guys who could do it. Mm-hmm. Avery is in the completely wrong scheme. He's played one game. He was incredible last year against the Niners. That's all he's really done here. It just didn't. It, it hasn't worked. But they're trying to figure. They're trying to get him on the field somehow. And that stand up role because mm-hmm. there is a role that um, the the. Uh, um, the stand-up role that they have uh, that uh, that they use in uh, Minnesota. So Anthony Barr role, they'll, they'll have that. Mm-hmm. But let, let's you know, let's face it. Anthony Barr is a long cover rush. He was actually a better rusher in college than he's been in the pros because his responsibilities are different. Right. They're not asking Ryan Kerrigan to cover very much. That's not what they're going to ask him to do. Mm-hmm. They'll ask him to to rush, to stand up, uh, because think of it this way: if you're Ryan Kerrigan, are you really going to sign as a fourth defensive end? Well, you're not going to play. Those guys play 10, 12 snaps a game, right? So right. he he's not obviously going to play stand up outside linebacker. Uh, and then we'll see how much he'll play the end. I mean, he could he do both? Yes, will he do both? Some, but if we at the by the end of the season. I would expect well over 50% as a linebacker just because that's what he's done way more than, uh, than I knew going and into this. It would, what it would do is enable them to get Kerrigan on the field even, even with two other pass rushers, two other DNs on the Great field. Point. Like Brandon yes. Graham, exactly. right. Josh Sweat, Brandon Graham, Derek Barnett, Ryan Kerrigan, or Josh Sweat, Derek Barnett, Ryan Kerrigan, whatever for, you know combination you want to put it in, it does allow them to get Kerrigan on the field and it does a couple of things because because of who he is. And um, if you look at Anthony Barr, Anthony Barr plays kind of a, a similar role in the Vikings defense, right, where he's a linebacker, but he's also a pass rusher uh, at times. And, and um, comes He can down cover, the by the way. He can cover. That's the biggest surprise about Anthony Barr. Barr is, uh, you know, I know he's long. He's on, yeah, just, just not Cooper spot. Cup because he's been exposed by that guy in, uh, in a few games. But I'm talking about covering linebackers. He covers mm-hmm. linebackers a lot. Anthony Barr. Anthony Barr is a linebacker. You mean running covers? I mean, running I, backs? Uh, the tight ends. Tight ends, right, players, right. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Um, so Kerrigan is not going to cover linebackers. That most he'll do if he's dropping back is dropping out into the um, into the flats, right, in in certain zones. But they're going to obviously want him going forward. Uh, that's what he does best. But I like that idea that it's really just a kind of a it's a different formation, but it's basically the same thing. The Eagles like to get as many pass rushers on the field, and if you can get him on one side of the line and have a protection slide that way it opens up a one-on-one block for either Fletcher Cox or Brandon Graham or somebody else to be able to beat so that's which is a good thing for the Eagles now I, I had this question it's very fair and I'll look we're, we're so early in this folks we just you know we we he's only been Rick Kirk is only going to be on the rosters there's so much more we're going to learn and his, his role could be a little different than we've heard but it's going to be similar at the very least if not 100% correct mm-hmm. but we're going to we're going to learn more now someone asked this great question might have been on our board, on our, our Facebook board, but we de- we're going to look into this because it's definitely something that we're thinking about. Um, will he will he push Barnett? Because he's been a right defensive end, Kerrigan, when he's played DN, as I understand it. Mm-hmm. Um, well, he's actually done both because he's gone up against Lane Johnson, who's obviously a, a right tackle, yeah. which, is, which would make him a left defensive end. But Correct. I've heard he's played both. Yes, uh, he has. He used to – he beat up um, – 
Big V. Remember that Big V's first start in 2017? Oh, that was awful. Right, and that was rushing over over yeah. left tackle from the right side of Washington. Okay, line. yeah. So there he's played both sides. Yeah, yeah. So, so I, I don't. It's a very good question about Barnett. I don't know yet. It's it's something we're going to look into. Um, but just understand. I know people are saying, "Oh, could he? Could he be the long? Could he take Barnett's job?" Kerrigan is in the okay. We must as well get into this part of it because people want to know what happened with him in Washington. Well. Mm-hmm. Couple things. If if you look at the situation with Ron Rivera, who's got personnel control, he inherited Ryan Kerrigan at an older age. Kerrigan's now thirty-two. Right. They were going to dra- draft Chase Young. They did. That was their that was their guy that they targeted, and they they took him. Mm-hmm. And Montez Sweat was drafted before he got there. So, what what's Ron Rivera supposed to do? You you have to play two young kids, and yeah. Ryan Kerrigan was their third end, and he had to go. It's as simple as that. Yeah, I mean that's that's hey, <laughs> that's just business, and uh, yeah, you know, you do? yeah, I don't, I don't think Washington got rid of him because he's a bad player. They just they were running out of snaps to give to the guy. They also have two first round picks in the middle of their line with Deron Payne and um, mm. and uh, Jonathan uh, Allen, Jonathan right. Allen. So they're going to pay a lot of people. So yeah, of yeah. course you're not going right. to right. devote more money to Ryan Kerrigan, and and we see this all around the league. At some point, I'm sure Alshon Jeffrey will sign someone. You can get some pretty good productive veterans who can play some limited roles or, or, Hey, look, this is this Kerrigan signing has been likened to the Chris long signing. And I think that that's, that's pr- pretty fair. I remember the Chris long signing. I, and I do wonder why, how he didn't go two years on Kerrigan, maybe because he's, he's, is he 31 or 32? 32. He's 32. Does he turn 33 during the season? I wonder if maybe it's two years was just a little bit too much given their cap situation to want to, to want to pay him. But you know, with pass rushers who are good, you do like to have that extra year. Turns thirty three, yeah, he does yeah. turn thirty three in August. Okay. Um, but right. you, but but they could put no guaranteed money in year two. But then if I'm Ryan Kerrigan, I don't know if I'd want to do that. Yeah, yeah. I'd rather I'd rather prove it on a one year deal. Right. Um, look, this is a very this is a this is a great signing. It's just he's a high character guy. So, so the scouting report that, in addition to what we know, we, we just put out there, um, high energy, athletic. Um, just under six foot four, high motor. He's just a leader. He doesn't say a whole lot, but he just he he does it by his his play, and he's just been an exemplary player. I mean, he just he's what right. a first round pick this kid's been. Right. Really. And by good. the way, to answer people who have said, well, why would you sign an old guy when you're turning over the roster and and kind of maybe compared it to either Jason Peters or something else? This is this is what Adam and I have been trying to say for a long time. The Eagles are not tanking. They have never tanked. They don't believe in tanking and you don't need to tank even when you're a young team turning over your roster. And the most important thing is if you're trying to learn about good players, be it a quarterback like Jalen Hurts or a wide receiver or anybody on your defense, you don't just throw a bunch of 18 and 19 and 20 year olds out there and say, I want to learn. You have to give them an environment that they can succeed in. You need a mix of veterans. You want to be competitive. That's how you learn what kind of team you have. Not when you're losing 50 to nothing every game and everybody's mad and pissed and pressing. So this is what we have said from the beginning. Somebody misquoted me on Twitter so badly this week that I was oh, no. shocked. They, they literally put the quotation marks and said, Jeff Mosher said this, which was the Eagles oh, are not looking to compete in 2020. We have never 
ever. When did you say that? Ever. That. Like every single podcast we've done is available on YouTube, on our podcast. You can go find it. If if someone finds me saying that, I'll apologize and say I must have been drunk that day because I never said <laughs> the Eagles are not looking to compete. I may have said I'm not sure how competitive they'll be or I'm not sure how good they're going to be compared to the division. Certainly, yeah. I think I'm not alone in that opinion, but I've never said the Eagles are not trying to compete that's contrary to everything they've ever done. So, never, Jeffrey Lurie would never I, – I, I know him a little bit. Mm-hmm. That'll never happen. Like he did say transition was his words. Right. I think it's a very good phrase. They're, they're, I'm not going to start buying into the hype now. You, know, the, the, you, you had a great um, title for our last show. It wasn't just the – it was the Sirianni's competition thing, but mm-hmm. the Eagles better than we think. Whatever you, you wrote, man, you sparked so mm-hmm. many comments on the YouTube. Yeah. People were fired up. They're 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 sick and tired. I, I don't listen to talk radio very or sports talk radio a lot. I listen to occasionally, mm-hmm. and man, they are killing the radio stations in Philly. I don't I don't know what they're saying. So this but, is what this is one thing that bothers me as I I, I do kind of scan and see how fans act or interact with other fans, yeah. and there are some fans who are very frustrated by other fans or media who aren't sure that the Eagles are going to be good and may doubt how good the Eagles are going to be. And the other side will be like, these guys are haters and Negadelphians. I'm sorry. You have to understand that if people are skeptical, if people doubt the Eagles, if people have their, their questions, that's completely fair. It doesn't mean on Sunday that they're rooting against the Eagles. That would be a little ridiculous, but it's perfectly fine and fair to say, you know what? I don't think I'm not sure that this team's going to be good, or I think that they're going to be third or fourth in the division. It's an opinion. People are, fans shouldn't have to devour other fans for having different opinions. You can devour another fan if he says, you know what? I'll never watch an Eagles game again. Come on. We know you're lying about that. <laughs> if you're actively oh, rooting and you're like, go Cowboys, oh go God. Giants. I, I, no, that's stupid. But I mean, what you just said about the fans would they, okay. So when the, when the fans are killing Howie Roseman, some fans said they were done with the Eagles until Roseman gets fired. Uh, we we saw that stuff. We must have seen I don't know how many posts on that stuff. Okay, now they love Howie again because he had a great draft. It looks like a good draft. Um, they're loving the Kerrigan signing. It, the fans can't make up their mind. <laughs> I but I understand. The, and it works both the, ways, I, by the way. If you're a fan hating on a, another Eagles fan who thinks the Eagles are going to actually be a lot better, let them think that. Okay, that's fine. It's a, they're entitled to their opinion on that. Everyone's you, know, a, you can think whatever you want. Like this, we if, could tell you we don't. We you know if we think you're out of your mind with something, as people will tell us sometimes, sure. we think we're out of sure. our mind. Look, it's fair. Yeah, but every everyone Jeff just said it. Everyone's entitled to have their opinion, but. And it, do, it doesn't make you a hater. It doesn't make you a hater, right? If right, right. You just right. have doubts. I mean, yeah. they just went four and eleven and have all this turnover, and nobody thought that they were going to go four and eleven last year. Would you? Everybody would have said if someone said, "I think the Eagles are like a four win team going into 2020," they, that person would have been crucified. Like, no, what are you I, I think about I you know. Ten, I think I'm at ten wins. I mean, the, I don't know anyone who didn't think the Eagles weren't be good. Let yeah, not be good exactly. But they weren't. So it no. just goes to show you, you you're not sure what's going to happen. So. Yep. All right, let's get into some of the other uh, signings. But first, Adam, I want to remind everybody, it's playoff time. We know who got that number one seed in the Eastern Conference, right? Bigger stakes, bigger promotions. It's time to hammer the over and score some cash. So DraftKings Sportsbook is giving you a chance to lower the over-under on a featured playoff game. All players who place a bet on the featured basketball game will have a hand in lowering the over-under on the game. That's right. For every 1,500 players who bet the over on the select game, the over-under is going to drop 
by a point. So every better who hammers the over in the featured game helps to lower the games over under. And the best part of that is that as the line lowers, the odds remain at even money. That's right. You can double your money by hammering the over. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. So download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code ITB when you sign up to hammer the over. For every 1,500 people that bet the over in the featured game, the line will decrease by one point. Yes, this is your chance to improve the odds of the over hitting. So tell your friends and family this is a team effort. Hammer the over and improve your odds of doubling your money. That's promo code ITB for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. Pennsylvania only. Restrictions apply. Max $25 wager. One per customer. Offer ends May 23rd, 2001. I'm sorry, 2021. In partnership with Meadows Racetrack and Casino, see DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, that sounds like a fun little game. That's there. an awesome. DraftKings, That's they're cool. so creative with they're their, their contests. Agreed. Very good. All right, let's go to the next uh, signing. We've got the signing of an offensive. This happened on Wednesday. The signing of uh, swing offensive lineman LeRaven Clark to a one-year deal. And, man, Adam, this team makes no bones about the fact that it is going to always look to upgrade and address the offensive line. I mean, they do it in the draft. They do it in free agency, undrafted free agents, and, and LaRaven being the, the next one. Now, this one's interesting, right, because he can play tackle. He's coming off an Achilles tear. So you, I have to wonder first and foremost when he'll be ready to play. Like you have to, we have to kind of do a fifty-three man at some point, and I have to wonder will he? Well, no, I'll, I'll uh, we'll have an update on him on Monday. I'll I'll, um, I'll find out when they think he's going to be available. The tip, it's what's interesting about Achilles injuries. Just checking into the the, the rehabs of these things, mm-hmm. they're no longer the death knell nine to twelve months. When I first started covering the league in two thousand, it was nine to twelve months. Now it's seven to nine months. Yeah, yeah. Brandon Brooks really smashed that too. Oh yeah, right, <laughs> right. But that's kind of. It's still usually on the back end of nine months. Right. But the point is this. He had, he suffered the injury the first week of December, had the, the surgery within a week. So nine months is September is September. Mm-hmm. So it's a little, it's a little bit iffy. Now I understand as I understand it, the thought process is if, 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 if he's ready to roll, he could be their swing tackle. Like that's their thinking. Mm-hmm. That means backup right, backup left, guard, potentially guard because he's played some. Now, mm-hmm. here's the thing on this guy. He's not built like a guard. He's built like a tackle. He's super long. His arms are just under 37 inches. You know right. how long that, that – you your ideal left tackle is 34, 34 and a half. If you could have that, you're loving it. Hey, man. This is crazy. This guy can but, scratch his knees without bending down. Right, right. He's you know I mean? Third, <laughs> former third-round pick of the Colts. Now, he's, he's generally been a backup because he – he does not play to his length. He, he, his, his strength is explained to me by a scouting source. Mm-hmm. He doesn't play to his measurables. And that's why he's not been able to be a, 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 a long-term starter. He's a pretty good backup. That versus the, He's the kind of guy you love to have. If you could keep this guy for four or five years as your sixth lineman, you'd love to have it. Yeah. Just wish he wasn't coming off for 20 kills. Yeah. So I wonder when he'll be able to get back on the field. We'll figure that out. And how yeah. much of an evaluation of him they'll be able to get in before they have to make. Well, they know Sirianni knows him obviously from the well, time. I, I, yeah, I know, but you want to be able to evaluate him coming off this injury, which yes. you're right, is not the death knell it used to be, but still, all right. When Brandon Brooks overcomes it, Brandon Brooks, a pro, an all pro. Well, he's cr- right. Guard. He's, this guy he's is, like, he's the know, outlier. Yeah. Right. Right. But Raven Clark, 
was an okay lineman to begin with, yeah, even exactly. before the injury. So you want to make sure you're at least still getting Got it. an okay yes. lineman. For sure. But if he does make the team, I think it – I mean, it's obviously when you make a move like this, it opens up the door to wonder what's going to happen here with the Andre Dillard-Jordan Mailata dynamic. You know, you and I both say it's it's Mailata's job to lose. They should go into yeah. camp as the oh, yeah. as the left tackle. Does does Dillard – I've I've felt all along – that they should keep Dillard anyway, just to have really good depth and then take that time to cross train. But if this guy Clark is going to make the team and Jack Driscoll can play tackle, I mean, you'd be silly to not, if you got a good offer for him, not to, not to make a move. Um, Here's the way I see that. Here's the way I see it. First of all, Andre Dillard cannot play right tackle. They've tried it. Not a right tackle. He's a left. Right. What, what did they do two years ago? It was a disaster. What happened? Uh, remind, they had to start you, him at right tackle, and it was, a, yeah. as you said, it was a disaster. They had to pull him. They pulled him in the middle of the game. Well, his, his attitude of what it wasn't really good. Yeah. Um, he's a left tackle. He's got left tackle feet. He's got elite feet, super athletic, but short arms, which is not good. Folks, the reason why I talk about arms, because it's, it's a major scouting point. I've never talked to anyone in scouting who thinks it's good when your arms are short. It means the guy on the other side could get into you faster because your arms aren't long enough. That's the one of the scouting points on short arms. Um, Brian Balaga has been able to make up for it because w- with hand manipulation in terms of going like this choppy and right. You, you, but he wasn't like that at first. You had to learn how to do it, how to win when you have short arms is not easy. Mm-hmm. Especially when you're younger, you have to learn how to do that. Right. But so to, to answer or discuss what you're talking about. So here, here's the deal. Jack Driscoll is a right tackle who the, who they could play guard at some point if he gets strong enough. So right now he's a, he's a right guard. He's a right, right. tackle. Right. Her big is a, Backup center guard. Matt Pryor, who I don't see him being on the team in September. Hmm. He's got versatility, but he's pretty much played everything but center with him. Right. He's, he's simply not good enough. Um, we don't know about Dickerson yet because he we he's coming off ACL reconstruction. Mm-hmm. You just don't know about when he's going to be ready. Mylotta could play both sides, but he's going to be starting a left tackle most likely. Mm-hmm. So they don't, you know, if you want to trade Dillard, go ahead. But LaRaven Clark's coming back with serious injury. Yeah, you no, just don't, that's no. a fair point. I think it goes back to what I was saying. I, I'd, I'd hold on to him. I mean, I think he's, it's a valuable commodity to hold on to, unless someone blows you away, right? Gives you a really high pick, which I don't see happening. But well, I think at first, I mean, I'd have to do that immediately. <laughs> right. We're not running it. I'm like, dude, we got to take this. Yeah, exactly. Look at the great, though, competition now at offensive line, which last year was a disaster. And now you got your starting five. You got Lane, Brandon, Kelsey. Uh, left guard Sam Allo, and let's put Mylotta just for argument purpose here yep. at, at left tackle. That's five right there. Dickerson's definitely going to be six. If LaRaven Clark makes it, he'd be seven. Jack Driscoll is no doubt going to be on. Yep. That's eight already. Already you got eight, right? Assuming LaRaven La Clark makes it. If LaRaven doesn't, then you still might have Andre Dillard there for eight. So, I mean, one of those two is going to be your eight, and then they usually only keep eight or nine. Maybe they'll keep 10 this year. I don't know because they've been injured in the past and they have old guys, but you've still got So Opeta, you've got Nate Herbig, you've got uh, Matt Pryor we've talked about. So, I mean, you've got a bunch of guys who are, or, you know, they just signed um, Casey Tucker. We'll get to him in a minute. You know, Brett Toth had to play last year. Oh, my, that's so funny. But when, I mean, that's a lot of guys saying? to compete, you know? You had the all-time line. I, 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 it made me laugh like hysterically. <laughs> you said, do you know what I'm talking about? You go. Oh, yeah. We were previewing the game, and, and you said they, he goes. The, the we he, you said something like, "If we hear Brett's host name, that's a bad thing." 
Yeah, I said I think if we hear Brett Toast's name, it's a it's a real disaster for the team. And right, because that means he's playing, and they, they yeah. can't have this guy playing. Sure enough, we heard, we heard him. He was his, hit. We heard his name. Was he the, <laughs> was he the last man standing? Uh, at that point, yes, he was. Because remember, I think Sua Opeta of all people had gotten hurt and had to come out. Right, so they really yeah. had to yeah. do. I mean, Suo Peta shouldn't be playing in a game anyway, and he got exactly. Hurt that's how bad, that's how out. bad it became for them. Oh, and then they signed disaster. that. Did that Ross Piercebacher ever play? I know he's signed off Washington's practice squad. I don't remember if he played, but you know, I don't think he played. I don't think he's on the team now, is he? I think he's still. I th- I think they. I'd have to look. But is Luke? Did Luke Jariga ever play? I don't think Luke Jariga ever played. Okay. He's also on the team and someone that they've uh, yeah. highly regarded as a potential uh, center. Right, mm-hmm. Luke Juriga, and then yes. they hired. Uh, yes. yeah. Hired. I mean, they yeah. Pierce Barker's on the team. He's actually listed as a center. Okay. They have like five centers. I mean, they have Harry Kreider, who was a rookie free agent. Juriga, Kelsey, Pierce Barker, and of course, we know Sayamalo could play center. Well, Dickerson, yeah, Dickerson, Dickerson is, right? Dickerson, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. sure. Like so the one thing you could say about the offensive line, and I give the Eagles a ton of credit, and for people to think that we're overly critical sometimes, I don't think we are, but I have always, and so have you, given them credit. They are constantly adding to their offensive line. Sometimes people think to it's a, to a fault. I don't think it's to a fault. I think if they do a great job of figure whether it's draft, free agency, rookie free agent trade, whatever it is, they're always bringing in offensive linemen. I think that's a great philosophy. It's they, it's it's what Joe Banner told me when when I when he and I worked at ESPN together. He said it's a proven fact. If you build with the lines, offensive defensive lines, you're going to be good. Even if your quarterback's average, mm-hmm. if your D line could get pressure, constant pressure, if your line protects well, blocks, pass protects well, runs and blocks for the run game, you're going to be good. You're, you're probably going to be at least 500. Right. Now, if your quarterback sucks, if your quarterback plays so bad, like Wentz last season, and he can't get back to where he once was, and that's a different story. Then you can't get out of your own way because you can't. Now they're, and also their line was hurt. That was part of it. But right. Um, so yeah, you're right. You're absolutely. I'm, I'm glad you put it in that context because it, it's why more often than not they're a very competitive team because they 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 get why how you win. Mm-hmm. You win on the Lions. Joe Douglas told me that when I first met him. Uh, Roseman believes that. Banner did. Andy Reid does. Um, I'm sure Sirianni believes that. How could you not? Uh, look, look where he came from. Oh, yeah. Where, where I was going to say, look what they've done Chris, there in Indianapolis. I yeah, mean, with Chris him. Ballard. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, no doubt. All right, cool. Let's uh, move to the secondary. They acquired cornerback Josiah Scott from the Jags in exchange for cornerback Jamison Houston and a 2023 six-round pick. That's theirs. By the way, that is their six-round pick. It's not like another team's pick, just to clarify that. Gotcha. All right. Um, so what do you know about how this deal came up? because it kind right, of so definitely Monday, came out of nowhere yeah no um okay so let me explain something i've said this before and i, I really want to make this clear because this is the what teams do now this is a really smart move so what you do is when you know they're the kind of player that you want is you're, you haven't signed him yet like steven nelson someone like that mm-hmm. you know Pete, the general manager roseman talked about how well we could just trade for a guy like ronald Darby. remember we did that it was actually august of 13 Mm-hmm. Or in uh, August of 17. Well, you know, you can't depend on that. That's just not, that's, that's pie in the sky. That's luck almost. Right. right. What you do is, and this is the way you explain to me, is you start looking at every NFL roster of guys you had third, fourth, fifth, sixth round grades on, and these guys are buried on jet charts. Well, Josiah Scott had some issues. Mm-hmm. He's smaller. Trent Bulky, the general manager, 
uh, of the Jaguars. I know he doesn't per- have personnel control, but Urban Meyer leans heavily on him. Balky likes long corners. Well, Scott does not fit that profile. He's not does not fit that size profile. He's five nine and a quarter. He's got less than thirty insurance, which is very small. He's got an average build. He's not thin, but he's just got an average build. Now, what we're told is they're going to start him out at outside corner, not inside corner. They, he's played both. They, he played both at Michigan State. He's a high character, high IQ, competitive kid. Uh, four four two forty, which is fine for a corner. But he's smaller. That's why he was not a, a pick in the first three rounds. And they worked on it on Monday. They pretty much had it done, finalized it on Tuesday. Uh, we just told you kind of what kind of corner he is. Now, the question f- would be now with the Eagles, because everybody talks about slot with him. He can play it because he's done it. He's played both in college. They don't need any more slots. But the right. question is, if he's going to play on the outside, at least start him on the outside and see what, what role he could win. What role would that be in terms of outside corner? He can't be competing for a starting job opposite Slay. So is it the fourth corner, the fifth corner? I don't know. Well, I mean, I, I don't want to say he, he he's going to compete for that job. Now, whether or not he can realistically perform well enough is the question. I, I don't want to see. I think some people say, and, and this is fair, right? Because ironically, if you go to NFL.com and see uh, our buddy Lance Zirelin's write up on Zerline, yeah, Zerline, I'm sorry, Zerline, uh, his write up on. Josiah Scott coming out of Michigan State was uh, that his prospect comparison was Avante Maddox, right? So everybody's saying it's just another Avante Maddox, but I mean, you got to at least some, some, there are five, nine outside corners in this league. They just have to be given the chance to show that either they can or can't do Jason it. This Barrett, kid, Jason right, Brett. Jason Brett. Jason good example. Yeah. He's a smaller frame, former first round pick who's revived his career. You know, it's been a great story of perseverance. I'm glad that he's doing well. Right. Um, but yeah, you, you, yeah, they're, uh, Santi yeah. Samos, what was he, 5'10? He was 5'10. Yeah. So but he I was mean, also s- thin frame, wasn't big guy. Right. I don't want to rule it out, but I agree with you. It's not likely, but I still say this like, the, as we joked so often about the names of Eagles cornerbacks after Slay and Maddox, right? I mean, it's, it, it's comical. So at least you have a guy who's a fourth round pick who you think has, who has good athleticism, good speed. You know, one of my uh, sources told me that he was, who saw his tape um, was impressed with how he was able to run in the big 10 with Hamler from Penn state, who is a very, you know, a speed receiver yeah. with the yeah. Broncos and Olav who's with uh, Ohio state right now. Oh, Chris Olave. Yeah. yeah. Chris Olave yeah. might be one of the best wide receivers in the country. Yeah. Yeah. So now again, we, I'll be the first to say this when we were talking about Avante Maddox coming out of a pit back when Billy Osborne was with us and he was a, a pit broadcaster, we were told that Maddox ran really well and was physical and, and should get a shot to compete outside because he can do it. He just, he got the shot and he could not do it. And maybe that'll be the same for Josiah Scott. But at the end of the day, if you're the Eagles, right, Adam, you get, you're, you, at the end of the day, you're still taking Scott, even if he's more of an interior uh, cover guy, then Shaquille Taylor or uh, who are the names that we go through every day? Lavert Hill or, you know what I'm saying? Like you've upgraded your talent and depth at the business. Well, that, yeah, that's actually where I'm going here. So you said you teed me up very well to me. If, if the, the realistic way to look at it is he upgrades their fourth cornerback position, their fourth outside. If it goes, what they're going to do is they'll sign a vet. Let's move this forward here. Okay. By training camp, they should have another outside corner, a veteran. It could be Steven Nelson. It could be, after post June one, when when they when the um, when the uh, John, the uh, Deshaun Jackson and Jeffrey 
Uh, money splits go, you know, they, they're able to split because they're carrying the full cap number now. They're, they could split over two years. Well, they're going to free up a lot of money. Mm-hmm. So that may be when they could sign Stephen Nelson for some veteran corner. That's probably the time to do it. Um, so uh, realistically, this kid's going to upgrade their fourth cornerback job because if, if it goes like I think it's going to go, Max, your week one, mm-hmm. regular season, it'll be Maddox as a slot. Slay and the other veteran corner, whoever they bring in, mm-hmm. whether it's a signing or a trade, whatever it winds up being. And then maybe McPherson competes for that job. Um, right now, it's probably they're thinking he will be, he'll definitely be competing for the out, starting outside job. I'm sh- that, that's definitely going to happen. Right. But if they sign Steven Nelson, it's less likely to happen. Right. So then you've got this kid, uh, to me, will, will be that guy. He actually could wind up competing if, if Nelson's the veteran they sign. Mm-hmm. McPherson competes for that fourth or third outside corner job. So, so then you, you put it down a wrong. Maybe Scott is their fourth corner. McPherson's their third outside corner. Right. And Scott is an upgrade over Jaquette. Um, Craig James or right. you know, anybody else. Right. Right. Graylon Arnold, who knows if he'll yeah, even be it, it, To camp, me, it's yeah. like the offensive line approach. I mean, right. you might as well, ju- you may not know where the guy's going to play, but you might as well have the most talented player you can have. And you've seen just like with the O-line, the secondary, the cornerback position was probably as beat up last year for the Eagles as the O-line was. That's why we were talking about guys named Kavon Seymour and Michael Jaquette and uh, Jamison Houston. I mean, Jamison Houston, they signed in November and he had to play him. The guy was with nobody since training camp and he was a rookie free agent and they're throwing him into a game. So the bottom line is if you, if it's a position that you know is hard to keep healthy, got some older guys like Slay, you got an uncertainty. Maddox has been, has uh, struggled with injuries too. You might as well yeah. get get a, the the most talent you can have, and then figure. Plus, out. hey, plus it's this is his walk year. He's he. This is his final Absolutely year of his right. deal. Right. We're we've been around so long. I remember we were trying to guess who was going to play safety that week <sighs> after um did McLeod. Yeah, Rodney got hurt. He tore his ACL that year. Right. Wait, is this his second ACL? Yeah. Just a jeez. Yeah. Yeah, um, and I remember we were both wrong. It was, it was. Um, no, wait, I'm sorry. It was McLeod a shoulder that year? Now, now I can't remember. Whatever it was, yeah, I, what, what, remember, but... I don't remember either. But um, whatever it was, he went on IR on September of 18 in September that year, and they played Tennessee. That was when Alshon returned, mm-hmm. and they played Maddox at safety. You're like, wow, I didn't see that coming. You know, they kept it quiet. And look, the good thing about Max is he's shown he could play other positions, but. Mm. They need to keep him at slot and stop him from playing outside. He can't, he can't do it. It's just mm. he just he got lost. Yeah. In the, he just got lost out there, and still not sure that his best position isn't. I think he's the best position he's played at the NFL was when he had to play safety from a cloud. Oh, maybe ago. so. I'd have to ask. That's a fair point. I just have to ask. But, but I don't know if he's a cover two type safety uh, who has to come in and make a lot of tackle. He seemed to be a good roaming safety in a cover in a one right in a one deep. Uh, Oh, and single yeah, high. Yeah, I don't. I, single high, yeah, right. well, they played. They would have to go back and look, but um, they, mm-hmm. they, they've done that before. But anyway, moving this forward, all these moves help with depth and competition, which is big for Nick Sirianni. And then Kerrigan, if if it goes like we think it's going to go, he's going to play plenty of linebacker. He'll play some DN. Mm-hmm. And they're just going to figure out a way to make him, you know, get him on the field. And look, he could have waited, but. The way I understand it is um, his expectation is he's going to have a pretty good role here. And 
Um, we'll we'll see um, if he could be an impact guy because they're just they just don't have a lot of depth on on, on really on defense. They they lack depth, man. They just uh, it's absolutely that's part of the reason why I see them being a you know, somewhere in a seven win team. Mm-hmm. You, you, they're starting twenty two. Could it might be okay. It might be better than 500, but the problem is when, when these guys can't play every snap, it's what happens. It's kind of like in the NBA, your starting five might be great, but if you, if you're not, if you're not eight deep, if you have, if there's a big drop off, it's going to be a problem because these guys can't play 48 minutes. Yeah, that's fair. They're getting deeper though. You have to be said the, the yes. areas that yeah. we said that they were really deficient offensive yeah. line, pass rush corner, they're starting to address and get, they're addressing it. It's not only for now they're doing it for the future with Dickerson with Milton Williams. We'll see right. how they line him up. Right. With Devontae Smith, who's more, a now and future player. Yep. Um, Tui Pelotu, where they're very weak in depth at D tackle. Awful right. depth. They have no depth. Right. This kid, this kid might play more than we know. McPherson's for now and for the future. Mm-hmm. This has been a really good offseason for them. As much criticism as we levied against this team, and they deserved it, mm-hmm. particularly the front office. Right. Um, I think the general manager got the message uh, that, uh, you know, he looked how bit. You don't need to worry about what the fans think. The fans think what they think, and they're, they were very entitled to think what they think because they're pissed off and rightfully so last season. Yeah, but absolutely. The and by the way, knew, that just goes to show you also that two things can be true at the same time. We always, yes. we always say this, you know, for people who are like, Hey, how he's had this great off season. Why doesn't everybody back off? Well, he had a lousy 18 months. Terrible that. Many. So, by the way, so both things can be true. He had a lousy stretch and he's coming back with a better stretch. And you know, who knows what the next 18 months after well, that, you know why he knows? Because they were four eleven and one, folks. Yeah, he lived it. They were terrible. Yeah. And then he, obviously he's been very upfront about the draft problems that they've had the last yes. two years. He knows. He knows that he and other people there have been lousy in what they've done. And and none of them wanted to be in the situation they were in just a few months ago. But now they're trying to make the best out of yeah. it, like like a franchise would and should. But do. but what I would say as we close this part off is mm-hmm. I'm hoping that he has learned that it's about your grit, your scouting grades. Stick by the board. Your process. Okay. Yep. Stick with the process. Don't let it be subverted by the owner, which it has been. I, I it's true, folks. I mean, we've we've said this now for four years. Eagles can't shut us down with this stuff anymore because everyone's every anyone any beat reporter who covers the team has either written about it, said it. Um, it's just that these are facts, mm-hmm. and I'm glad that the process was pretty good from what you and I have heard. You and I have discussed this privately. We haven't actually talked about this before. We mm-hmm. talked about it after the draft. That, hey, it seems like they stuck by their board, but for what we understand. It's actually good. The processors was stuck through to, and I'm glad that uh, they're doing it the right way because they they could turn this thing around rather quickly if they continue to draft well. But again, yep. these guys haven't played yet, so let's right. not go right. Right. Right now, the only thing we can judge is approach and process, and it seems to be good. And and I echo that sentiment that you have, and that's what I say a lot when people ask me about it. Is I say it's good now. It's really nice. It would be nice to see if we're saying the same things in a year or 18 months and two sure. years from now. Okay. Yep. That's, that's the, 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 what has to stand the test of time here that hasn't in the past. So, all right, let's move on to some of the other signings real quick. I want to tell everybody, uh, make sure you're checking out our friends at PHL sportsnation.com enhancing the fans experience with their coverage of all of our professional Philadelphia sports teams, wonderful content, good podcasts as well. You can find them on Twitter at PHL sports nation or their website, phlsportsnation.com. And we'll pause real quick for another word from our great sponsors, including our friends at Sky Motor Cars. Sky Motor Cars in Westchester is a different sort of dealership. 
All it takes is one look at their Highline pre-owned vehicles that people over the country want and need. Owner Brett Schilder, make sure you don't spend a dime of your money before you purchase the car. Sky Motor Cars allows you to make all the decisions regarding your next vehicle. At Sky Motor Cars, you never have to spend more than necessary. Visit SkyMotorCars.com today or call 610-918-7225. And if you head into Sky Motor Cars, make sure you tell them Adam and Jeff sent you. You will get a great deal. And follow them on Instagram. Their account is on fire. A lot of nice cars on that. uh, Oh, my goodness. And if you're just a car, you like to look at cars. I look at their thing every day. It's just uh, they have a great showroom, man. It's uh, clean. Their service is great. And uh, highly recommend right off 202 in Westchester. There you go. All right. Uh, I don't want to spend too much time on some of these guys. They're yeah. just kind of camp bodies competing. Yep. But the Eagles did bring back Casey Tucker. They signed him as a, a offensive tackle as a rookie free agent uh, in 2019. He didn't make the team. Did he make the Eagles practice squad? That no, year? Uh, no, he, he, he actually, no, he, he went to Detroit's practice squad. Actually. Right. Right. Just, man, I just, you won't believe Detroit this. Thing is weird. <laughs> you won't believe this, but th- his name came up with um, one of my lines guys. So really? See, Philly brought him in, huh? Boy, they really must be desperate. <laughs> well, I mean, Jesus. I said, no, they, they no, need he was, camp he, bodies. I mean, come on. He, he, the guy was, he was laughing. He was just laughing. He goes, he's oh, a nice okay. kid. He's a, uh, you know, he's a fifth, uh, he's a fifth tackle. Right. But they, look, they, he would. The funny thing is, he was with the Jet. He was with the Colts for like a month, and they cut him in January. They was he's with the Colts, right? January they cut him after the draft, so he's back with the Eagles, and we'll see. We'll see what you know. He's there, a, he's yeah, there's this guy. like weird like Colts Eagles Lions thing going on. Yeah, Fulgham yeah. came from the Lions. Huntley came from the Lions. Carryon Johnson came from yeah. the Lions, and then the Colts signed Casey Tucker. They've got Press Taylor there. I mean, they got Carson oh Corey Unlin. Corey Unlin, that's right. Yeah. It's just. Oh, and Scaly is on uh, with the Lions. It's just what is going on? I don't know. It's it's a little weird. Yeah, that's a great point. Uh, but he is. Yeah. Uh, I would say Adam. He's a, he's a. Him. He will not be on the fifty-three. To make the team. Yeah. Yeah. He's not going to be on the fifty-three. Right. Uh, also brought in. We mentioned the last podcast real quick, but just want to reiterate. They signed this yeah. hybrid defensive back Nate Meters, who has ties to both Indianapolis and Minnesota. Not the Lions, though. Um, and I, you know, <laughs> he's another guy on a body that, that Nick's uh, that, uh, Gannon is familiar with and will be given, I, I, I suppose when you're in this secondary Adam and, you know, you can play safety, you, you might have, uh, you know, more of a shot than just being a camp body, you know, you know, I do wonder, um, uh, you know, I'd mentioned this before and I'm going to check into this cause I'm very curious. We, we know we were told in, in February and everything we've heard is so far has been true. In terms of what kind of defense they're going to run, he, he's going to run, Gannon's going to run his version of Zimmer's defense. But mm-hmm. I do really wonder because of the Indianapolis ties, meters, um, meters uh, with from Minnesota, but Rit, Shaquille Taylor, okay, from the Colts. So, mm-hmm. so Gannon coached him, right? Hassan Ridgeway was with Gannon for one year in, 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 um, in Indy in 2018. That was mm-hmm. Gannon's first year there. Mm-hmm. So I, I do wonder. Is there going to be some of the Colts cover too? Iberflu, you know, I wonder if he's going to bring some of that in because the way the corners tell me over the years, they rarely will run 100% of the scheme that they came from. They'll, they'll run most of it, right. but they'll bring in some nuances. I just wonder if they'll bring in any, anything uh, uh, from the Colts at all. We'll see. Right. Now, Iberflu's defense is less, I would say, um, exotic, right? I mean, it, it, they both play a lot of cover too, yeah. but Iberflu's is almost like pure 
cover two. I don't think he deviates from that a whole lot. Whereas Zimmer give you cover two, give you cover one, give you a cover four yeah. quarters. Yeah. I mean, it'll start, look, it'll look like cover one, then turn into a cover well, two. Three. Cosell says they play a lot of three. A lot of cover yeah. three. Right. I mean, he, he kind of, they, they, they mix it up where I feel like Eberflus is more of a, like a Tampa two, like the old Buccaneers. He is. Well, he's cut strictly uh, from talking to the coaches, the Colts coaches cut strictly cover two. Right. Um, so look, it, it, it's really crazy. That's the seventh player now on defense that ties from um, the Colts, the Vikings. Right. So Epps, Anthony Harris, Wilson, Meters, Craig James, mm-hmm. Vikings, right. Ridgeway, and Shaquille Taylor from the Colts. So, so you don't want to count Casey Tucker since he was uh, with the Colts for about five months. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, but I'm talking defense though. That, no, I know. Right. I'm just kidding. Right. I know. Yeah, there no, you. it is interesting. It's a lot, a lot of familiarity there, which is not strange. A lot of coaches do that. I uh, remember we talked about when Schwartz got here, they, they figured out a way to get um, Ronald Darby. They figured out a way to get Ron Brooks. They figured out a way to get Nigel Bradham. I mean, you know, coaches want to get guys. Who's that corner? Who's that corner from the Bills? McKelvin too. That's it. Thank you. I forgot he was, about that. You got yeah. it. He was yeah. always hurt. Always hurt. Always hurt. Exactly. All right. So then, uh, from, well, hopefully familiarity does not breed uh, contempt in this situation. We'll see. Let's move on to the scouting department moves. I know everybody gets excited about that, but there are actually um, some interesting moves being made. So let us first go with who's coming in, Adam. Uh, The guy's name is Jeff Scott from Washington. Why don't you give a little insight into how this came about? Yes. So they um, moved uh, Matt Holland, uh, who was their senior pro scout, to the Northeast College Scouting Mm -hmm. position. And Jeff Scott who was Washington's assistant director of pro scouting and slash advanced coordinator of mm-hmm. pro scouting. He is, ta- he's taking over Matt Holland's role. And then Phil by was the Northeast scout. Yeah. It's my so understanding. He's, he's going to okay. go down to the Southeast. Okay. Which is, uh, it's a, Hey, listen, let, let's be real. <laughs> when you're scouting Northeast college football, um, it's not always great. And some teams I think limp, uh, they might lump pit in with the Midwest, but I, I don't, you know, some teams do it differently, but Northeast yeah, is not exactly, sure. you know, you're talking about Rutgers, Boston college, Maryland, of course, Penn sure. state is good, but sure. after that, it doesn't, uh, it's not exactly ritzy, but then now to be able to go to the Southeast, that that's prime time territory there, right there. Yeah. Yeah. So de- definitely true. Midwest, Midwest, Michigan, and all those schools and, and Southeast. Yes, definitely right. big areas for them. So, uh, it, nothing or shattering here. Um, the Eagles typically, they, they, they're, they're a pretty tight knit, t- t- tight knit group of, of scouts. They, they're very close. The pro and college scouting staffs are very close. They all get along They They've been together for a long time. A lot, that's another thing. A lot of these guys for the most part have been together for very many years. Mm-hmm. And uh, people I've never met, Matt Holland, I, I wouldn't know him out of a lineup, but I've heard great things about him. I heard he's a great guy, Same here. really good at his job, mm-hmm. and uh, they want to make sure they kept, they kept him, and this is what they did. This is, uh, as I hear it, uh, they thought this was a good way to use him as a Northeast College scout, and uh, the Jeff Scott guy. Um, I'm telling you, he's a vintage Eagles hire, Adam, yeah. Jeff Scott, because... Okay. He's not just the guy who has scouting experience, but he actually oh, yeah. has salary cap uh, mm-hmm. a- analytic experience. Yes. Too. So if that doesn't mention scream yeah. Eagles, right. Uh, he, he went to Georgetown and got his master's in um, 
I want to say a finance. I forget what he got his master's in, but if you have a master's from Georgetown, that's pretty good. Yep. So, and then when he, when he started off with Washington many years ago, it was in the, as a salary cap intern, then he went into scouting. And then by the end of his Washington tenure, he was a, in a dual role of pro scouting and salary cap analysis. So that's, that's pretty good there. By the way, Sean McDermott started in the salary cap department with the Eagles. Did he? Oh, that's right. I forgot yeah. about that. Yeah. Yeah. So pretty there interesting stuff there. You know, obviously you bring in a guy um, who kind of fits with what you do. So the chances are we may never mention Jeff Scott's name again, but he's now that he's uh well, no, no, uh, actually. Yeah, you're right. Not only that, <laughs> we, we probably hope we don't because generally when the guys that no one knows about, we mention them, it's not usually positive. That's true. So let's That's hope fair. Jeff Scott, Jeff Scott has a great career with the Eagles and, uh, and we never have to talk about him. Yeah. I'm, I'm, <laughs> half, I'm half joking, but that, that we, since we, this is our fourth season, and when we mention people who are not over the years, when we mention who was the, Alec Halaby, right? Who yeah. was written by the Athletic. It was the first time anyone did an in-depth uh, piece on him. Well, mm-hmm. it was the it was the issues with the front office, and he was a he was mentioned a lot in that article. Right, very good article if you haven't read it. And it's the first time I've ever seen anyone write about him. And you know, he's an analytics guy. And when 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 you write about people who who are not known uh, about around uh, you know fans don't know them it's not usually positive so let's hope he has a great career and by the way real quick as we talked about matt holland there is some incorrect information that we've seen on the internet about his title um so like like we were saying he's going to be the northeast uh area oh was there something what was out there there's like a it's not a linkedin there is a a website that is kind of like lists like what you do but it's Mm -hmm. more private than linkedin right so Hmm. i forget it's like called zoom review or Mm. Uh, now I'm being tested here. I just remember Googling okay. it and seeing that. Uh, oh, came up with a different job. dot com, and it oh, okay. uh, has him as like the assistant director of pro personnel. And I'm like, and if it has him as assistant director, uh, the assistant traveling, the assistant traveling secretary, we uh, we got a problem. Yeah, that would that would be an George issue. Costanza, yeah, that would be a problem. <laughs> All right, um, what do you got? You get, when's your next Twitch? It's gonna be Monday. Oh yeah, so yeah, oh, no, uh, well, uh, tonight, tonight, Thursday, Thursday, yeah, Thursday night, yeah, um, Monday through Thursday. Once we get probably third week, like okay, the Eagles are gonna open. The Eagles are new staff, so they they get to they get to start trying to keep a week earlier. Mm-hmm. So anyway, um, when when it when we get when we gets busy, like when, when more people show up, when we get like seventy five to hundred people, fans from all around the league. I'm going to do probably two hours. I love doing chats because it, it, the, the, the best part about it is when fans ask me stuff that, I, that are like, I got to research, which I should have known. Mm-hmm. But damn, I need to find that out. It's a great question. I'll, it actually, if sometimes I've taken stuff off our message board, I'm like, damn, we're doing a segment on that, man. This is a great question. I'm going to uh, infiltrate one of these Twitches under a pseudonym, but you're going to know, <laughs> but I'm going to ask a question Richard Hertz. so that you know, it's me. No, I'll uh, be a total pseudonym, but I'll ask a question like Adam, uh, tell me your favorite Richard Barksdale story. Or, <laughs> you know, what do you think of quick, quick story on chances that. of making the team? Right. So Ruben Frank and I, this is, this is so funny. Ruben Frank and I were, this has got to be six or seven years ago because, you know, training camp practices are so boring and you, you're dying that you're just dying to, um, get out of there or just talk about something. Cause you're, you're, you're half asleep watching <laughs> these practices. So we were just talking like, who's your favorite scrub Eagle. You know, I, I've always used the uh, Walter Mendenhall name. I love that one. Yeah. It just makes me laugh that it's Rashad Mendenhall's brother. Cause I remember he came in typically running backs wear elbow pads 
arm pads, arm protectors, knee pads. Uh-huh. I've never seen a running back where no protect, like he, <laughs> he, he, he wore nothing other than the stuff he had to wear. And I was like, why isn't he wearing like, he didn't look, I didn't understand it. And he was so stiff. It was slow. I was like, <laughs> is this Rashard Manhall's brother? I don't think so. Oh man. But I remember stupid stuff like that. I don't know why. Uh, uh, Rube and I, poor Rube, he's going to get, you know, lumped into some, some stories here that yeah. he probably didn't ask for, but you know, obviously we work together. We're yeah. friends. Uh, he's like a, oh, yeah. an older brother to me. Yeah. And th- one day, you know, we're so bored in mini camps or something that we start hey. making up really bad, like Chris Bermanism type nicknames for <laughs> real fringe roster uh, Eagles players. And we, we came up with like Victor Macho Man Harris and yeah. there was uh CJ Gaddis Knight in the Pips. <laughs> was his, and Why mine was Rashard Last Train to Barksdale. <laughs> Let's say to Barksdale. Can I ask you a question? Yes. What was the fascination with CJ Gaddis? Why did people, was he the guy who went to Wake Forest? I thought it was Clemson. I don't even okay. remember at this point. It, it, it wasn't yeah, a fascination um, more than it was like, let's just talk about fringe, def, you know, defensive backs. Like I, there, there's games. certain 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 uh, things that have happened. We mentioned the, the, the one of the last couple shows, um, George Hegman's uh-huh. story. Uh-huh. When he was quoted saying, Eagles need to come correct on my art, my, my uh, contract. I'll never forget it. It was Andy's first year. And you, you've told the story about Andy made him, push a blocking s- s- sled and then he cut him yeah like, and then he cut him so mean it's just so not right <laughs> but and he was trying to send a message and yeah but i just remember the craziness and the, the, the dude i think the guy went to delaware state this tall receiver is like probably six seven he talks so no 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 oh, no okay him i remember he was actually he played he was actually decent yeah but no there's some guy undrafted free agent with the eagles and he might have had one good day of practice and he he talked so much junk about how well he did and how he dominated. I'm trying to like, think. Dude, why would you say anything? Yeah. You're it wasn't Shahir McBride, was it? I don't remember. He was a tall receiver out of Delaware. Might State have been too. him, but I just okay. remember the guy talking smack about how great he did, and he was gone after like two weeks. I'm like, you never say anything. <laughs> yeah, you can't. What are you doing? Anyway. Yeah, yeah. You remember Kyle? Don't call me Lavar Arrington. <laughs> oh, 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 the corner. Kyle Arrington, the corner. Oh, yeah. Are you kidding me? You played yeah. for. The- the Eagles screw that one up. He became a player with the Patriots. If yeah, recall. he did. He did. Go figure. Yeah, no, we would sit there and just pick players and come up with cri- bad Chris Berman names for them all. Well, so. well, I just love the names. Michael Gasperson is my favorite. Might be my favorite. Like, well, I never heard of a name like that before. It's like, listen, <laughs> just made me laugh, you know? Definitely. But anyway, we all digress. Right. The next Powder Blue podcast with myself, yes. Frank Close, and Susie Hunter will be out um, Friday morning. So we have a lot to talk. I mean, the, the most... Heckle and uh, Jekyll and Hyde team ever. I mean, they go through this awful stretch. Then they get in fights in the clubhouse. And then all of a sudden they give you the greatest they love each other. win and they love each other. And then they go flat the next night. I mean, who they are the most psychotic team that's over 500 that you'll ever see in your life. I mean, I it's amazing question. that they're over 500. Two questions. Uh-huh. Is this the, is this your favorite player ever? Eagles. Mm-hmm. Aziz Shitu. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Now he Nobody. he's more recent. Like me and Rube, yeah. when me and Rube were talking about guys in like 2007, yeah. eight, nine. Right, yeah. right. No, but here's my question: What happened to Scott Kingery? Ah, man. Well, look, I don't. I think it, it's almost at this point giving Kingery a free pass to talk about how this organization completely mismanaged his career and threw him at every different spot and asked him to do things and with no consistency. And then he did get COVID last year, but then now yeah. you're giving him. 
also a free pass. I mean, at some point you're a grown man and you got to figure some things out. And he's been chasing balls out of the strike zone for way too long. Do I think that if he had been with a more stable organization and had gotten one position and a little bit more, you know, consistency, it probably would have pointed him in a better direction to be successful. Yeah, I do. The Phillies certainly didn't do him any favors, but at some point, you know, you got to be able to hit the ball, right? And you got to be able to play your position. And he just has not been able to regroup. I wouldn't be shocked if a change of scenery yeah. did him good, but uh, because the damage has been done, I guess, by the organization. But he's got to he's got to take some some of the brunt of it too. Yeah, I I was such a fan of his. Like I, I was too. Oh, I was he was too. so good. He, oh, what a story! Great energy. Nice. Seems like a nice kid, and he's so bad. It, well, it's. He had a nice life. swing at him, and you got to wonder if the Kapler regime of launch angle oh, turned him oh, from oh. a guy who was a doubles John hitter. Maley. John Maley. Yeah, did they turn him from a guy who was a doubles hitter with power to trying to be a guy with power all the time like everybody in baseball who's I not going to strike out? You know, that's I mean, Hoskins isn't quite all the way back from that regime. I mean, he's close. Close. I mean, Still good. Yeah. But I think he's, he's always not... going to be streaky, but he's not like what he, how bad he no, was. No, but remember, he was all about that because analytics tells you in baseball, watch, yep. watch, watch the pitch, watch the pitch, then swing. Yep. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah. Uh, it, it's Phillies are, I, I couldn't, I'm a Phillies fan. I am appalled. I, I'm just, a, I'm just so frustrated with them. And they, mm-hmm. they, they haven't hit for years. They don't hit. Uh, it's been, it's rough. They strike out a lot. Uh, yeah. And and every single player that they have, other than maybe two or three, were, were taken from another team. Like, you've got to develop – even the best team. I know the Yankees pay a lot of money, but they develop guys like Aaron Judge, right? And I'm sure they pay for, for uh, Stanton and, and Cole, but they develop Judge. They develop Glaber Torres. They develop Miguel Andahar. They develop Luke Voigt. Like, you've got to develop talent and then surround it, almost like we talked about with the NFL – uh, with with high price you can't just keep buying guys now you're up the the Phillies are pretty close to the luxury tax they can't bring on a huge contract and yet they don't have much to show for it other than a couple of games over 500 and you know their only homegrown talent is Aaron Nola and Alec Bohm and and who and Reese Hoskins that that's about it you know before we get out of here, are there is there anyone in the minor leagues that might be coming up soon? Or well, you anyone? know, I wouldn't have told you Nick <laughs> Nick Maytone was going to be a guy. I never even heard of the guy. Ma- exactly. Yeah. I mean, uh, who knows? But I mean, their 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 farm system needs to be replenished. Certainly. Oh, All right. All right. But you never know. It's still Powder a long blue. summer. It's hitting. Powder blue. Well, Powder by the way, when is your when is your show drop? It'll well, we, we kind of been adjusting to our schedule. We do it once a week, but the next okay. one will drop Friday morning. So please subscribe. Friday morning. Okay, cool. All right. All right, everybody. That's gonna do it for this edition of Inside the Birds. Not not the Phillies. <laughs> People are gonna say tell us to stick to the Eagles. Inside the Birds, the leading podcast in the Eagles Intel. Wanna give a big thanks to Hunter Brody, our producer. Check him out on YouTube. His channel is called Sports Talk with Broads, his Twitter account at broads 81 and at broads media also check out his new website broadsmedia.com it's a fantastic job and of course as always we thank you for flying with us inside the bird